Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This morning, if you have got a Bible, if you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 16 this morning and uh, share some thoughts uh, around that. So if you can be looking up your Bibles and I'll pray because every time we stand up to preach or every time we stand up to do something, we need the Lord's help, don't we, all the time. So Father God, here we are again. And uh, remember that old song, here I stand in need of your anointing. The power that I need belongs to you. And so Lord, it's your word. I pray that you will help me to expound your word with integrity and Lord, by your spirit, I just pray that you'll anoint this word. Speak to all of our hearts, whatever you want to say. Lord, I know in a congregation of size, there's so many people with so many different needs. And I thank you that your word is powerful enough to reach every single one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if, as I said, if you've got your Bibles, we want to turn to Acts chapter uh, 16 and to verse 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews. They are under throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept their practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Amen, and may God bless the reading of his word. Today at the second service, as Stephen's already said, we'll have the privilege and blessing of baptizing two people. And it's always a highlight in our church calendar to be able to do that. 
In thinking about this service today, I was reminded of this particular passage, and you'll understand why, as probably from what I've already read and as I go through it. But just, it's a very interesting story, and I just want to share a little bit, first of all, about the context of what's the background to this story. It begins with, with uh, the, the symbol once, when we're going, and something miraculous happened once, but it didn't just happen once. It's like it was a regular occurrence in these, in these early days. It was over and over again, great things were happening uh, in the early church. It's almost like the supernatural invaded the natural on a daily basis. It's, it's like, it, and, and I long for these days in our lives when the supernatural invades the natural on a daily basis. God is a supernatural God, and he's got amazing power. So any day can be a day of opportunity for a God encounter. Today could be your day. And, and when you go out from here, th- this isn't about, about coming to church and us doing everything. It's about coming to church and being empowered so that we can all do stuff. That's the whole purpose of, of, of being together in church. So Paul and Silas end up in jail because they set uh, an anonymous slave girl free from a demonic spirit. That's an interesting thing. Once we're going to prayer, it tells us there that this girl is following them, shouting things. And the girl spoke the truth, you'll notice. These men are servants of the Most High. They're telling you the way to be saved. That's truth. Yeah. Okay. But the source, the source of that was demonic. Because then Paul cast the demon out in the name of Jesus. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. It's interesting that Paul was troubled with this woman shouting this. So he must have had a discerning of spirits. He must have had an understanding of what was going on. Because probably a lot of people just hearing that would, would think, oh, it's great, that's cool, it's just saying stuff like that. Although she would have been notorious for, for, for uh, uh, telling the future. So Paul was troubled. And, and uh, one of the older commentaries says this, Paul did not want either the gospel or the name of God to be promoted by one of Satan's slaves. So he cast out the demon. After all, Satan may speak the truth one minute and the next minute tell a lie. It's perceptive, and I think that's very good. She was obviously in bondage uh, to her slave owners, that, that, that this spirit within her that was speaking uh, the future, but it was, it, she was in bondage. It was a demonic spirit. I once told a funny story about uh, a man who went to see a fortune teller. And the fortune teller said, the next five years will be joblessness and poverty before things change. And he said, well, what will change? He says, you'll get used to it. <laughs> but the Bible specifically warns us against these kind of things. I don't know if you're aware of that, but uh, we don't believe in superstition or, or the darker side of the supernatural. We believe in the power of God uh, in his church. And it's not faith healing we believe in. It's divine healing. It's a God who heals. And so the Bible speaks about... Uh, and many, many times it tells us against going to get information and help from mediums and spiritists. Big one is Leviticus 19.31. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spirits, spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I'm the Lord your God. Again, in Leviticus 26, I will set my face against anyone who turns to mediums and spiritists. And then Leviticus 20, 27. In Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 12, has got a big bit about it. Do not learn to imitate their detestable ways. And it speaks about them sacrificing their children in the fire. And it says, watch out for those who practice divination, sorcery, interpret omens, engage in witchcraft, or cast spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead, etc. 
So there's lots of warnings in the Bible. Isaiah 8 another big one. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? I love that passage. God's, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. And so you could, I could go through 2 Chronicles 33, 6, 2 Kings 23, 24. And the backslidden King Saul, when he was away from God, he went back to a, a witch to actually try and help him and, and call Samuel up from the dead, which is a really interesting uh, scripture. I'll leave Stephen to speak on that someday. But Saul died. Because the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 10, 13, because he was unfaithful to the Lord, he did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. He did not inquire of the Lord. So the Bible warns against these things. So here's the background is this woman is shouting this stuff and Paul comes and sets the, the, the captives free. And uh, he does that on their, on their way to prayer. And, and I, again, I'll just highlight the importance of prayer in the early church. Uh, you know, we want the blessings of the early church and, and, but I, and the power of the early church, but I think it's a challenge for us to, to imbibe the practices of the early church. So there were people who were at prayer, and that's what they were doing. And, and uh, over and over again, the Bible, of course, speaks about the importance of prayer. And when Peter was held in prison, it was as a result of prayer that he was absolutely set free. It says, but the church was praying earnestly to God for him. So prayer was a big part of the early church. And, and we want that to be a big part of our church here. And that's why we do gather uh, together uh, for prayer. So it's, uh, they're on their way to prayer. And uh, this woman, the, 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 in, the cast the, the demon out of this woman. The Bible says she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Not just money, but a great deal of money. And, and I'll tell you what, you begin to, you see the, the enemy recroaching, and sometimes people themselves uh, 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 coil back when, when, they, when money is at stake. Because there's, there's a big rivalry for God, isn't there, in our lives? And it's in our lives, and it's in the life of the world as well, but it's in the life of every single person. The Bible says we cannot serve two masters, because we, we, we'll, we'll either love one and hate the other, or hate one and love the other. And it says you cannot serve God and money. So, so it's, a big, it's a big battle. And so there's this conflict now. That, that Paul's cast the demon out of this girl, and, and they've lost their massive source of income. And so they're, they're annoyed, and notice there's multiple owners of this girl, because it says owners. And they seize Paul, they drag him, they drag him before the magistrates, they press false charges, which included a political dimension and a racial dimension. It says these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept their practice. It resulted in them being stripped, beaten, severely flogged, and thrown in jail. And then the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Now let me just say, if you were a jailer in those days, you would have taken your job seriously. Because if you had a murderer in your, in your prison cell, and, and, and they escaped, then you would end up with their punishment. So if they were going to get capital punishment and you let them escape, then you ended up having to take their punishment. And so 
So it was a difficult job. You had to make sure you did it well. I remember a few years ago in Castle Huntley, they opened prison. That There was prisoners escaping, and, and, and that was Castle Huntley from an open prison. And then, of course, just a few weeks ago, there was that guy that escaped, and, and the airports were shut down. What was his name? Daniel Khalif. And, and uh, the airports were shut down, and this guy escaped uh, bizarrely. Uh, from a grade two uh, security prison, and uh, uh, apparently be tying himself with sheets underneath a, a delivery lorry. And, and but if that happened in those days, boy, you, you were you were it was a difficult job. You you were in for trouble because of these things. It happened in in those days. So that's the context. That's what's going on in the background here. So Paul and Silas are stripped, beaten, and and they're put in prison. And and I think we've got insight into. One of the most wonderful things that God does for his people in the most trying of circumstances. Because at midnight, which is their darkest hour, what do we find Paul and Silas doing? Are they mumping? Are they grumping? Are they complaining? No. The Bible says that they're praying and singing hymns to God. That's amazing. That's amazing in their darkest hour. You know, our darkest hours are, 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 not, are not pleasant times. And yet they're they're considering, like James says, it's pure joy when you go through trials of different kinds. And, and that's really difficult. And that's really hard. I remember a dear friend of mine whose, whose uh, wife sadly died. That is a very young person. And, and, and I remember at that time chatting to him. And, uh, and, and the verses like this minister to him. And, and, and it says it with Jacob in the Old Testament. I remember having a conversation and when, when, when uh, Joseph uh, was supposedly lost and uh, came back and said he'd been killed by wild animals. It, it says he ref- Jacob refused to be comforted. And this guy, I remember having this conversation and he says he wants to be comforted. And, and so the Spirit of God wants to come and comfort us in, in, in these difficult times. And, and, and I remember at, at his wife's funeral when we were singing, let the ruins come to life. I remember he stood up and, and he raised his hands. I took the funeral for, the, for his dear wife. And, and uh, he raised his hands at that moment in time. Uh, let the ruins come to life. And I remember him telling me afterwards that at that moment he knew that in the middle of his pain, he had to praise God in the middle of his pain. And that's exactly, that's exactly what Paul and Silas were doing. I wonder what we would have been like in that situation if we'd been subjected to these kind of things. You see, this passage gives multiple insights into the power of God. The power of God to set a demon-possessed girl free. The power of God to enable people going through the darkest moment of their life to praise God in these moments. It's amazing, the power of God. God truly gives songs in the night. I went to see a dear lady in hospital recently who, who, who had been very, very ill, and, and her future was looking pretty bleak. And you know what she said to me when I was sitting next to her in her bed, just praying and fellowshipping together? She says, you know, and, and she began to sing. She says, God gives me songs in the night. And, and, and that's, that's what he does. And the other prisoners were listening. Well, people are always listening and watching. You, know, you might think that people are not watching you, but they're watching you all the time. And one of the big lessons for me in my life was, I remember, do you remember when the old scripture union was in Glebe Street in, in, uh, in Falkirk? I remember going in there one day to pick up books, and, uh, and you could never get parked there. Like, it was almost impossible to get parked. But anyway, there was this day, there was a parking space, and, and I just to go in and collect a book. And it cost you a pound to park your car there for whether it was two minutes or three minutes or ten minutes. 
And I remember putting my pound and, and, and then getting my ticket and sticking it on. And then there's a guy who wasn't walking with Jesus at that time. He sent me a text. And he says, he says, I was sitting across the road in my car. And he says, I saw you go park in your car. And he said, I wonder if a pastor will pay for his parking ticket. And, 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 uh, and I did. And so, so I did not, as Stephen said yesterday, compromise my integrity for a pound. You never know. You never know who's watching you and what is going on. And, 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 and I suppose what these guys were seeing was something new. I would say the language of prison worship was not the usual language they would have heard in that prison. I would imagine there's a few words that we wouldn't use in church. Or we wouldn't teach our kids. Yesterday we went to see somebody and, and, uh, and the, their granddaughter was there. And she came in and her and her two friends had been to watch a football match. And they were just saying, you know, they, saw, they said bad words in, in, that, in that football match. Because that's what happens. And I would imagine that was normally what would happen there. And, and, and so they were praising God. You know, the history of the children of Israel is a, is a history of moaning and groaning and complaining. And in Micah 6 and 2, God gets back to them and says, Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord is a charge against his people. He's lodging a charge against Israel. And the reason why he was lodging a charge against them is they were always complaining in spite of God's goodness to them. I love that song we sang earlier on. I, I, I will sing of the goodness of God because I've tasted the goodness of God. And now I'm thankful for the goodness of God in my life. In the Life Application Bible, on that passage in Micah 6 and 2 says, God continued to be kind to his forgetful people, but their short memory and lack of thankfulness condemned them. When people refuse to see how fortunate they are, they become self-centered. So here's Paul and Silas singing praise. It's a powerful witness to the others. And notice what happened next. God sent a localized earthquake Right there, it's one of these suddenlies in the Bible. I love God's suddenlies. I don't know if you've experienced God's suddenlies, but I have. And one of the most recent things that I thought was really, really interesting was, was when we went to the French to hear uh, uh, Mark Ritchie's uh, comic show at the French. And, and in the middle of his, of his jokes and stuff like that, he then read the 23rd Psalm. And you know this, the atmosphere changed. There was a suddenly something completely different. The atmosphere changed. And I noticed that. I said, Dan, did you notice that, that the atmosphere changed? And Diane said exactly the same. And Mark Ritchie commented on it uh, himself. But I've been in hospital visiting people. And you just get that moment. And God is there in that moment. And, and it's a suddenly of God. And sometimes you're looking for a word and suddenly something will leap off the page. Or suddenly somebody will send you a text. But this is a suddenly and an earthquake happened. I said the power of God is all over this passage. The power of God now to send a localized earthquake, which is amazing. And for the, for the prisoners, I suppose it looked like Christmas time. And the jailer woke up, and he saw the doors open, and he knew, like I said earlier, that his number was up. And he's, he's about to take his own life. When Paul, who was a prisoner, stands up, and, and he's in control of the situation, as he often is. You see, the, the circumstances are not, the, are not what dictate to us. We are not thermometers that measure the temperature. We can be thermostats that set the temperature. We can choose our attitudes, whether they are good attitudes or bad attitudes. Somebody once says, attitude is a choice. Cho choose a good one. And I think that's really, really good. 
And Paul, so as this guy was about to kill himself, Paul said, don't harm yourself, we're all in here. And, and the power of God to cause the prisoners not even to escape is amazing. And the jailer calls for lights and, and now he's fallen trembling before Paul and Silas. There's something of a God encounter. This, this prison has become a temple. And I've been in places, like I mentioned a few moments ago, where, where God just shows up. I remember just visiting somebody fairly recently in hospital. And, and this person, I, I, I'd been seriously impaired by, by, by an illness and, and could hardly talk. And they began to sing. And I began to sing with them as well. Now it's a risk they could get worse, like, but you know, but I began to sing with them. And, and we just had one of these beautiful moments. And that hospital ward became a place where we sang songs together to Jesus. And I'll tell you, it was a beautiful, a beautiful experience. And I came out of that, that ward having gone to visit the person to try and impart into them. And it looks like they're imparting something to me. And I come out the ward and there's a woman sitting outside the ward. And, and she looks upset. And I said, excuse me, I, I said, is everything okay? And, and she says, I'll be okay. And she was crying. And, and I said, can I help you? I says, I'm a minister. And she began to tell me about how her husband was in hospital and, and, uh, and, and he, he had a stroke and, and, and he wasn't well and, uh, and he'd, he'd been improving and now he, his situation had deteriorated. And there at that moment, and there at mo- that moment, outside that ward, that became a holy place because God was in that moment and had a privilege of, of, of sharing with that woman. And, and it's, the power of God is available. God's, God's power is now going to be shown in convicting this, this, this uh, uh, prison warden. He says, sir, what must I do to be saved? What? He's, that's a question I wish people would ask me all the time. What must I do to be saved? And, 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 he, and Paul gave them this famous answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Now, it doesn't mean to say that we can be saved by proxy. It doesn't mean to say, if I believe, my kids will automatically believe. But, but uh, they need to believe. They need to come the same way. God's not got any grandchildren. We believe, we, I believe we can have a sanctifying impact uh, on, on our homes. But every single person has got to come to the same place. Every single person, you and your household, have got to believe in the Lord Jesus, and they will be saved. It's by faith, not by works. It's by believing and responding. And, and I wonder if we've ever considered that question, what must I do to be saved? And it was Benjamin Franklin said, there's two things certain in life, death and taxes. And, and, and so, so it's something, it's an appointment we've all got to keep. I wonder if we ever think about, like, what's going to happen to me? If today was my day, what's going to happen to me? Where am I going to go? And I wonder if we've ever made that response to the Lord. And they spoke the word of the Lord to them. Now, now theologians have, 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 have looked at What's been said in the book of Acts and in other places. And looked at what preaching the word of the Lord looked like. And, and, and uh, from the, the Greek word to preach it comes, comes this phrase that theologians use called the kerygma. Which is the preaching of the early church. And it would have normally contained six elements. The age of fulfillment has dawned. The latter days foretold by the prophets. And in fact, something is happening. This is taking place through the birth, the life, the ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. And then the third thing would be, by virtue of this resurrection, Jesus has been exalted at the right hand of God. He's the Messiah, or, uh, the expected one, the promised one. And the Holy Spirit in the church is, fourthly, the sign of Christ's present power and glory. And then this 
age of the Messiah will reach its consummation in the return of Jesus, and then they make an appeal. And, and, and if you look through the book of Acts, a man called C.H. Dodd, apostolic preaching, wrote about this, and, and, and others have taken that up, that there was a formula to the preaching, and it would be lifting up Jesus and expecting a, a result uh, a, a, as a result of that. And, and, and so the, the jailer did that. He responded. And another demonstration of God's power in this passage is the power to change a life. Because the gospel changes lives. Paul wrote in Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, Paul wrote. And, and, and so we see that evidence of a completely transformed life because this man now, at that hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. This hardened man has now got a change of heart. Something's different. Around midnight, out of disturbed sleep, eh, his priorities have changed. He's now washing this guy's feet. Some people stop drinking, stop, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop swearing, stop watching pornography. All kinds of different things happen often instantaneously when a person comes to Christ. But something's happened immediately here to this guy. And then immediately he and his family were baptized. His baptism was really important in the early church. The Lord Jesus told us to practice two sacraments, baptism and breaking of bread. And today we'll be doing both. And the rite of baptism, it was known in the new church days. There were ceremonial washings when the people converted from Judaism to Judaism. They would go through ceremonial washings. And false cults had their baptisms too. But Jesus says in the Great Commission, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So we're commanded to go. Baptizing them is the second thing in the name of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching them. That's discipleship. To obey everything I've commanded you. And his presence going with us to do these things. And we can see that throughout the Bible. When should a person be baptized? Very simply, when they believe. When they come to faith themselves. And, and uh, some people say to me, would you baptize a young person? I would usually say, wait, wait until it's a meaningful experience for you. It's at least till you're in the high school. And you understand so that you don't come later on and say, oh, I, I don't know if it really meant a lot to me when I did it then when I was uh, seven years old. So, so we would encourage people, uh, when, when they come to an understanding and they know they're saved, get baptized, that's what the Bible says. And so there's evidence of this man's changed life. His life's completely changed. You know, people have asked us, have asked questions like, when we get saved, why don't we just go straight to heaven? It would be a lot easier. No, we just go right there. You know, like have a moment in court before the Lord stand, give an account of our lives, and, and that would be cool. Instead, why are we here? Like, it's with all its toils, all the troubles, all its tribulations, the band can come, by the way, with all the troubles, trials, and tribulations, and all of these things in life, would it not be easier to go to heaven? But you know, down on this earth, with all its trials, troubles, tri tribulations, all of these things, you know what's happening? God's working away in our characters. It's a, it's a, it's a process which is known as sanctification. Stephen said yesterday, he's not a great fan of that word, but it just means that God's working you, working in you, making you more holy, making you more like Jesus. And so God uses all the experiences of our life to shape us, to mold us. We don't believe in purgatory, but down here, there's an opportunity for God to work His work in our life. And it's an ongoing process, and it never stops. I've been a Christian for over 40 years, and God's still doing stuff in my life. All the time, day by day, He's doing stuff in our life. So this is a passage with great power. There's great power in this passage. To set the girl free. To enable Paul and Silas to sing in the middle of their, their storms. To send a localized earthquake. 
To change a prison, to change a prisoner's attitude so that it wouldn't escape. To change a life that was evident in that guy. You know, wouldn't you like to know that God of power? Wouldn't you like to serve him? Wouldn't you like to know his power at work in your life day by day? You can. You can today. And maybe you're in this place today and you do not know the Lord as your own and personal savior. Maybe just play gently in the background. Maybe you don't know the Lord as your own personal savior, but today I would encourage you uh, to, to, to come to know him as your personal savior because he's God who is interested in each and every one of our lives. He's got a plan and purpose for our lives. And maybe there's a challenge in your life today through something I've said, maybe to do with integrity, maybe to do with getting baptized, whatever it might be today. God is maybe laying a challenge at your feet today. So two things I just want to pray for. I want to pray for those who are not saved, that you would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And I want to pray for those of you who are saved, that we would just do the things that God wants us to do. So let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you for the privilege of being able to be here today, for your goodness, for your love, for your word. And Lord, we've seen your power, Lord, manifested in, in, in this word, Lord, today. You've done great things. You've transformed lives. You've changed situations. You've done amazing things. We just bless you and thank you that that's the God that you are who does amazing things. And Lord, in this moment, if there's people here who do not know you as their own and personal Savior, that may be asking questions about their future, what would happen to them if they were to die tonight? What would happen to them in their lives if they were to go on the trajectory that they're on? But Lord, you can change that today. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.